Magazines and Monsters, episode 29, Christmas with the Superheroes from 1988. Man, you come right out of a comic book. Hey everybody, uh, Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here with another episode of the show. And this is super special for two reasons. First and foremost, it's Christmas time. So this is going to be the, uh, you know, air quotes Christmas holiday episode <laughs> of the show. And the second reason is uh, a new guest to the show. And new guest to this show, but it's someone I've recorded with before, and I was really looking forward to recording with uh, on my show here to talk about something. And you know, we decided on this uh, issue of uh, DC Comic uh, Christmas with the Superheroes number one. So, uh, welcome to the show, my buddy Martin Gray. How are you, Martin? I'm very well, Billy. Looking forward to the holiday season and just counting my blessings, of which there are many. Yes, I'm right there with you, buddy. Some days I think it's uh, I wake up and I think to myself, you know, is this really how things are? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, it really is. And it's uh, like you said, uh, blessings all over, no matter which direction I look. So we are talking about Christmas with the Superheroes, number one from DC Comics, which is a, a book full of reprints from as far back as late Silver Age and then um up until 1984 even so you know late bronze copper whatever you want to call that age um so what's your experience with this book overall i love it it's a collection of like as you say reprints but the quality of the reprints is excellent i mean some of dc's best writers and artists from down the years some of my favorite characters awful lot of sentimentality lots of santa claus suits lots of stars in the sky and not a lot of cynicism, if any at all. It's an excellent collection, a great prime run DC. The next year they went all new, but in a different way, this is just as good. Yeah, I think so as well. It's just a classic stories. You know, they're all Christmas themed stories, but, you know, they all have all the big guns here. You know, you have Batman, you have Justice League and Legion of Superheroes, Teen Titans. That's the Teen Titans is the oldest story in this book. And that one, oh, it makes me laugh. Just the the the, the Bob Haney dialogue, man. Wow. <laughs> He's something else. <laughs> it really is special. Yeah. So, yeah, the the first one is uh, called uh, Wanted, Santa Claus, Dead or Alive. And that's uh, a Batman story uh, from DC Special Series 21 from 1979. And you and I had talked for a few minutes here before we started recording about it being uh uh, the creative team is Denny O'Neill as the writer, and then the artist Frank Miller and Steve Mitchell. And I think I'd read that it was uh, Frank Miller's first work on Batman, which obviously he's, you know, one of those people a lot of us uh, think of when we think of Batman creators, just because of how how big and how different his uh, his uh, Dark Knight was. You know, that's always going to be one of those seminal kind of books where it was, you know, kind of changed comics from being a little more lighthearted and ushered in that era of more gritty and, you know, whether you like it or you don't, but a whole era of comics, kind of that Watchmen, you know, they all kind of uh, spun out of that. So um, that's something, uh, you know, you and I talked about this, the huge names on this book, all the huge names on this book are just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They really are. They really are. I mean, you got your Len, Len Wayne, Dick Dillon, J.L. Garcia, J.L. Louis Garcia, Lopez, Presby, his mm. name. Mm. More, Nick Cardi. I mean, some of the most astonishingly good art I've seen from Nick Cardi, and every Nick Cardi story you ever read is brilliant. And yeah. it's really a feast for the eyes. And just the stories, just, you know, about 
cracking little fables by people at the top of their game. Yeah, no doubt about that. But yeah, this first story, yeah, Danny O'Neill, writer, Frank Miller, Steve Mitchell, artist, and then Ben Oda, letters, Glenn Whitmore, colorist. And then, uh, yeah, we see uh, <laughs> Batman. It's Christmas Eve in Gotham, and he's uh, zipping around, and he uh, needs some information from a hood. So he shows up at this Christmas party and uh, questions the guy, and the guy, you know, after he beats up a couple of his goons, tells him that, uh, you know, there's a boat down at the docks waiting for uh, somebody, and he says uh, it's for a certain uh, criminal that, you know, Batman thought was kind of reforming. So then, uh, you know, we switch to see the, that this criminal that, you know, Batman thought was reforming really is. He's dressed up as a, you know, a, a department store Santa Claus. And he's really kind of, you know, he is turning around, you know, and doesn't really want to be a, in a life of crime anymore. And just, you know, sees all these good people coming in there and good things happening around him and wants to kind of, you know, turn over a new leaf. And he does. But then, you know, the, the, the bad of the bad side of Gotham kind of starts trying to drag him back in. But uh, I thought this was a pretty good story. You know what I mean? Like it's a. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, you can kind of see what's going to happen here in the end, you know, and along the way. But I thought it was still a pretty good story. You know, Denny O'Neill, he's no slouch. You know, what did you think? I liked it too, yes. It, I mean, I, I enjoyed the fact that you have the, the sentimentality of the of the department store, Santa Crook, deciding against carrying out the, the heist in the end. And I love the fact that you've got that bit at the beginning with the, the star missing from the Christmas tree then towards the end of the story. You know, it's suddenly... You know, it's still not there, but there's a big star appears in the sky and it lights up the scene and Batman's able to save the day. It's like, well, you have to imagine that Batman didn't have his night goggles on and needed the light. <laughs> that, that kind of, you know, little Christmas miracles in these things, you know, those hallmark moments. I just love them. It's really, really got them. And, the, and we've seen such as, you know, you know Bat Batman, you know, jumping into a bunch of department store elves and smash, you know, smashing them everywhere. <laughs> the little, the little, <laughs> little souls that kind of thing it's very it's very good fun yeah that's something else too almost every one of these stories has one of those you know hallmark moments in it like you just said where it's something you know very holiday spirit you know and that's that that's great that's to me what makes this book really really good on top of already like we said the legendary creators behind it you know you, you can't go wrong when you you turn on the the christmas you know sentimentality i love that you know it's 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 great and it's you know it's that time of year, and I love that time of year because it kind of seems like everybody kind of, you know, like the the Santa <laughs> former crook kind of turns over a new leaf. You'd like to think that kind of, you know, things like that can happen in real life as well, you know. Hopefully, hopefully it does. Did you notice that one of one of the names the name of one of the crooks in this issue is uh, Matty Lasco? Oh yeah, 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 I did see that. Yeah, yeah, the guy that he goes to the party and you know gets the information from. Yeah. Do you think that was a deliberate nod from by Denny O'Neill to, to Marty Pascoe then? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think they were, yeah, he You're was doing crook, that. You're a Marty. <laughs> yeah, I love it when, I mean, there's probably, you know, there was probably an interview, you know, where somebody asked Denny about that, and I'm sure he would have fessed up to it, because he, I love that too about a lot of the comic creators from that day and age. They used to do that a lot, put, you know, names that were, you know, close to their friends and co-workers and things like that in the books, and I love that. Yeah, and there was only one, only one thing in the story I didn't understand. It felt on on page nine when you know we're in the middle of all the all the all the action. In fact, there's a pause for breath, and Batman suddenly chatting to he's chatting to you know he's around with the cops, but he's suddenly chatting to some guy in a trench coat with a, a woolly hat on. It looks like no idea who he is. Have I just missed? I've read the story a few times to try and work it out, but he just who is this man? Do you know? 
Yeah, I'm not sure either because he almost looks like, you know, maybe he's like a plain closed cop or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, he just pops in out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Pops in and goes. And, and again, you can imagine in these Christmas miracle type stories at, at the end, you know, it's like, where is that man? Oh, didn't he have the shadow of wings? It's, it's an angel. But no, <laughs> is this chap's just here for no good reason as far as we can see? Yeah, because then after that scene where he, you know, knocks out the crooks, that guy's gone. He's just poof, gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you have any, any favorite images in the story at all? Any favorite panels? Well, yeah, for sure. I love that panel uh, where you see in the sort of towards the beginning where you see the uh, I think it's page five where the department store Santa, you know, starts to weep because the the boss there, his boss at the department store, who's been kind of keeping an eye on him, says to him, you know, you're the best Santa we've ever had. And he says, thanks, Mr. Jackson. He starts crying. He's like, it means a lot. You know, I'm like, oh, boy, tugging on the heartstrings here. <laughs> that, that is and ben letter of Ben Hordy, obviously, he make he makes the, the lettering a little smaller than that, as if he's sort of swallowing it, swallowing his words with, with with happiness and sadness at the same time, which is good. And but there are so many great great panels. I know a lot of Frank Miller fans are you know like like pure Frank Miller, but I really like seeing Frank Miller in tea by Steve Mitchell. I think he does a really good job of sharpening it up nicely. But my my favourite uh, panels, apart from you know Batman smashing elves. I just love the, the little detail of uh, on page nine, bottom of page nine, bookending that mysterious man with Batman. You just got, you know, a beat cop just twirling his nights. Well, I think it's nightstick in the American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the UK, just, you know, just jocularly, you know, twirling it around while all this is going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, well, yeah, it looks like he's doing it in two different panels there, that guy. Is, that's yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, little things like that. You know what I mean? When you, you can breeze through a comic and not notice things like that. But then when you really sit down to try to look at it a second time or a third time order, and you notice stuff like that, that's really things that I love to see in books, you know, because it, it shows me that the artist, you know, that one of the creators was really, really trying to uh, really trying their best, really bringing their a game and just trying to put even these little nuances in there that, you know, to see if people would notice and hope they would notice. And yeah, that's, that's a good one, Mark. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was, you know, future writer Frank Miller putting it himself just just as a bit of detail. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Could have been, absolutely. But, yeah, so that's fun one there. So anything else before we move on to the next one? No, I think I think we should go up uh, there. Was it 23,000 miles up in the sky, whatever, to see the JLA? Yeah, this one's wild. The man who murdered Santa Claus. And this one's rough. I tell you what, like if you're a little kid, you're reading this, you're like, what is going on here? You know, the second page into the story, you see Santa Claus, Santa Claus, air quotes, there, dead on the floor. It's like, wow. So, yeah, that one was uh, JLA 110 from 1974. Uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, Dylan and Giordano, I think, on the artwork on that one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you can't go wrong with that story. That's my favorite. Uh, right there is my that is my favorite uh jla team i love that that art team dylan and giordano love it it really is super super sharp i mean the the comp the comp the compositions that yeah the, the panel choices are brilliant the finishes are superb it's 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 just a wonder mm. really like, yeah. yeah you have batman and superman here world's finest they're showing up for uh i guess at like an orphanage where uh, there's a guy dressing up as Santa Claus, you know, for the kids. And then 
he's in another room and there's this huge explosion that comes from that room. And then, you know, they go into the next room where he was. And like I said, he's laying there dead, but then he's uh, got a key and a note in his hand. Like, like sort of reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, the Riddler from, you know, the Batman TV show, you know, he'd always leave a riddle or leave a clue or whatever. And there's a, a note laying there with some clues. So they need to find out what this key and these clues are all about. It says that, you know, that uh, if they don't find where that, un- what that key unlocks, like a city block somewhere is going to explode. I'm assuming near the, I think it's near the gateway arch, isn't it? Cause I think they show a picture of that yeah, at, yes, at yes. some point. Yeah. But this story has my favorite set of panels ever in a DC comic on page. And I guess on page four, when we have Hal Jordan and uh, he's getting an alert to a, uh, the Justice League trying to call him, and he he steps out of the shower and steps on a bar of soap and falls and knocks his head and knocks himself completely out. <laughs> what did you think of that? <laughs> I, lo- I loved it. I, I thought that was what you when you said my favorite panel. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Because usually in the DC comic, when when, when you you have to find an excuse to bring in a separate Green Lantern or you know a different you know, yeah. Supergirl, Superman or something, it's, it's going to get, yes, they're often a mission in the X652B system, but here it's like, you know, nope, total, total bit of comedy, and it's one, one, it's wonderful slapstick to see the great Hal Jordan, who at this point wasn't, you know, <laughs> wasn't everyone, everyone's fall guy, you know, just, just slipped down in the shower like that, and <laughs> sadly the towel stays on, but uh, it's wonderful, good comedy, well done, oh. Ben, and well done, well, you know, well, well done. The two dicks for translating it into print so well. Oh yeah, it's it's a hilarious scene. So yeah, like you said, that was their way of knocking Hal out in the ring, going to search for uh, John Stewart, um, who because of the the cartoon series, that's my favorite Green Lantern. You know, the the late nineties, early two thousands. There, that uh, Justice League show. Oh, I love John Stewart on that show. That's so he's my favorite Green Lantern just because of that show. Love him. Mm. I, I really love. Them. I've, I've never. I've not seen many episodes of that show, but when when I have seen them again, I like him because I just always like John Stewart. I mean, I, his dialogue he's a little, a little more early seventies than you would. You know, a little, yeah. little more aged than it became as the years went by. But he's just got so much personality. He's he's just such a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so then we have like you know Batman, Superman, uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern, and then. Uh, Black Canary, Green Arrow, and Green Arrow. Boy, he's got a bit of, he's got quite the attitude in this story, Matt. He's really a uh, bah humbug, hates Christmas, and he's really edgy on this one. And then who else have we got? Oh, Red Tornado as well. Yeah. So him and Red Tornado have some interesting dialogue. They're going back yeah. and forth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ollie, Ollie really is, I think, Ollie, I mean, I'm, I've seen him a bit in a little out of character, certainly from what you've said. But also, is at one point where, you know, the idea comes up that they might, rebuild the slums of St. Louis for the little ghetto kids and actually give them somewhere decent to live. Yeah. And all he says, tells John Stewart, you know, who's a newbie at that point. Oh, no, no, you couldn't do that. The Guardians of the Universe wouldn't approve. Ollie Queen, you know, Mr. Hollow <laughs> of the Rules there. No, he'd be, he'd be saying, you know, yeah, get, get the houses built, help these little kids. Yeah. Happy <laughs> <laughs> oh. those sorted as the story goes on, but I won't go, I won't jump ahead too much. <laughs> yeah their their dialogue is funny because red tornado doesn't understand why you know having to go out on a mission on christmas eve is a big deal and green lantern kind of takes offense to that and he's like what you gotta be kidding christmas eve is different because and he's like oh how do i explain something like that to a doggone machine <laughs> red tornado looks at him and says 
My artificial origins have in no way impaired my capacity for learning, Archer. If you are unequal to the task to answer my simple query, merely say so, and I will understand. And he says, unequal? Why, you lobster-faced? And they're, like, ready to come to blows, and Batman's like, okay, calm down, you two. <laughs> I many words just generally horrible to Red Tornado. I mean, they... I mean, you know, happily in this story, he does cheer up when he, when he, at the end of the story, when he gets given the pair of stripy tights as a gift and has his new costume. <laughs> Quite appropriate because the, the stripy red, stripy red, red and yellow tights, they do look like they're made of Christmas wrapping paper or something. <laughs> and then, wow, what a great shot uh, of the gateway arch there. Wow, that's a really good panel there. It's like a half, half page splash there on uh, page six. That one's really nice. I like that. You know, the, the spotlights coming from the background, the snow falling. That's really nice. I like that. You really get a sense of scale. But again, I don't know whether 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 Len had to sort of because as I say, I love the story. It's pretty much perfect. But little things like the characterization of Ollie and the fact that you know one of the story points is the key. You know, the keys left a bomb in the city somewhere, and they've got to try the key in the lock of every 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 doorway in the city or something to try and find them. <laughs> and they're going. Well, we haven't got the flash with us. What will we do? What will we do? It's like you've got Superman right there. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty good with the super speed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, the, the, the way they get out of it is uh, they use a Green Lantern to uh, give a zap with his power ring to the key so that as soon as the key gets anywhere near, it'll almost act like a homing device anywhere. It gets start to get near the, the lock it's uh, meant for. It'll start like, you know, like flashing or whatever. So. You know, they all figure that out. And then, yeah, like you said, that one part, too, where the kids, you know, the homeless kids are like, hey, you know, can you help us out? And, of course, you know, John Stewart, he's, you know, very sympathetic towards that because he's, you know, seen some tough times in his life, as he points out. So he wants to do something for them. And that's when Ollie's like, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> like I said, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. If anybody should be for that, it should be Ollie. Absolutely, it's it's just very strange, and and there, actually there was there was another strange bit in the story, which uh, it, it this is shortly after Black Canary's come over from Earth Two, and she's discovered that she's got this the Canary Cry, the Sonic Scream, mm. as as a well, at this point as a consequence of crossing Earth. So that was tweaked later, stupidly, but you know, and then she says that she hasn't, you know, she's not sure whether it will work. She's not tried it in months, so she has this new superpower. And she's not been testing it. It's weird. Yeah, you'd think she would be trying to figure out how to use it most effectively, being a superhero there, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm, but yeah, so they, uh, they, you know, they find the the lock, and they end up uh, getting. And there's another one thing that I thought was hilarious too. So there's Superman and Red Tornado and GL that can, you know, basically fly, and they all fall down through a trap door. <laughs> yes. Thinking to myself, uh, could you just fly back out of there? But I guess it seals yeah. back up. Yeah, it's it's just, it's just wonderful, but it's, it's just it's just such such fun as one as one by one, you know, like ten little Indians, the the league is a sort of picked picked off by such things yeah. as you know a calliope passing by, you know, giving out gas. It's just, <laughs> I mean, again, it's it's just such a it's a fun nonsense romp, but just the visuals so amazing, the the characters are so melodramatic, the story is so bonkers, mm -hmm. and I mean. As you say, starting off by blowing up poor Santa Claus at Christmas. I mean, at least the previous story, Santa Claus gets shot, but he survives. This one, bye bye, Santa. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, man, some little kid bought this comic and they were probably like, you know, in, in tears. But yeah, like I said, each one of them start getting picked off one by one. And then I think uh, 
you know, we finally get to see who the, you know, crook is behind this one, who the supervillain, I should say, is behind this one. And this is the actual first and only story I've ever read with this villain, the key. So, you know, do you have any experience with him at all? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I came across him a few times in, in the Bronze Age, but actually uh, recently I was just re- looking back at some old All-Star comics, so Herm would probably know about this, but uh, towards the end of the original All-Star comics run, there's an appearance of a villain called, you know, called the Key, who looks very, very similar to this. Oh. And again, it's this huge, long, complicated, probably Garden of Fox type story. But I think he must have, you know, brought, brought him back as the remembered him. But uh, he's so wonky, the, the visual is so weird, the way he has this strange head of the key as his head. <laughs> but uh, I'm always glad to see him because I just, he's just such fun, stupid fun. Yeah, it's kind of weird, too, because I kind of read up on him a little bit. And <clears throat> like, again, I I've saw him in the, the 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 cartoon, you know, television show. And all he did really is have like a, a, a giant key and he almost yeah. used it to like project like energy blasts or something like that. But when I looked him up online, it was saying some of these stories he was involved with. And he was like, you know, drugging the Justice League and doing all these other crazy things. And I was like, wow, that sounds a little more crazy than just some guy bouncing around zapping people with a, a key that has, you know, <laughs> like a laser in it or something. I was like, wow, this guy sounds really cool. So I thought I'm definitely going to look up more from him. Definitely. Honestly, he's just one, one of the weirdo ones. But, and actually, another thing I like in the arsonist issue, which uh, obviously it's before, I suppose, Red Tornado's visual use of his powers had codified in the Justice League. But on page top of page 15, where the the fight is uh, Red Tornado and John Stewart versus a bunch of giant nutcracker men. <laughs> you know, rather, rather than just the usual flash type swirl of the arms, you've got this huge, long, thin, then fat, then really fat cone funnel type use of the use of his <laughs> wind power. Yeah, and it just it just looks absolutely amazing. I don't I don't know why Red Tornado wasn't more popular with the kids. He's just great. Yeah, that is really cool. There, yeah, the crazy wooden soldier guys coming after them like they pulled out all the stops in this one you know the key here with his his minions and giant christmas balls like running around trying to like smash into them and one of them batman tries to jump on top of it and kick it or something like that and it just absorbs them (laughs) that's really neat Mm, yeah and then like i said the wooden soldiers and yeah and then you know the key kind of goes into a little bit of a you know, some history here of what he did, you know, previously just to kind of catch you up if you didn't really know who he was or whatever. And then all of a sudden he hears a voice behind him and it's Red Tornado and Green Lantern. And he's like, you know, how I must be dreaming. This isn't possible. And then, you know, two by two here, Superman, Black Canary, and then Green Arrow and Batman, they all kind of just pop back up. And he's like, you know, how did you survive? And then <laughs> we we see that for some insane reason, the Phantom Stranger's there and he kind of helped out. It's like, how did he get involved in this? <laughs> Oh, crazy. It is just weird. But I mean, two, two, two GLA guest stars in one issue is fantastic. I just love loved when you get people like, you know, Phantom, Stra- Phantom Stranger showing up with that Adam Strange, Supergirl, whoever. Just adds a bit of spice to proceedings, you know, to see the JLAs interact with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did show some of the other JLA members doing other things that kind of kept them from showing up. And that's how we got the cast we have, I think. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, that's great. So yeah, they're, you know, chasing the key down and then trying to, you know, get him under wraps. But in the end, I do like how, you know, the Green Lantern, you know, the bomb does go off, but they got everybody out in time. But he uses his ring to then not only, you know, stop the blast from hurting anyone else, you know, further away, 
but then uh, he, you know, re rebuilds the buildings anyway. <laughs> so I do like that. Yeah, but he's not he's not going to upset the guardians because he had to replace them because they're gone. He wasn't he wasn't just you know putting them up as a substitute. He was putting them up as necessity. They had nothing else. So well done, John Stewart. I love John Stewart's original architect background. I, I've never been keen on this marine idea that he's a marine. He makes guns and things. I like John as the builder. Yeah, and then the last page is an epilogue where we see, uh, like you said, Red Tornado get his <laughs> Christmas packaging here for his outfit. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, my friends. This new uniform is most dot 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 appealing. I think he was being diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, I think he was too. But he, and then he says, "Yet I still do not understand your purpose in giving it to me." <laughs> so he he still can't figure out uh, about gift giving. But you know, yeah. they you know they have a little conversation back and forth about what it's about. And <laughs> you know, yeah, good story though. It was funny. Like I said, a little wacky in some parts, but yeah, fun story. Really fun story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? what once you get past the, you know, the mutilation and death of an innocent old man. <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, once you get past the point of Santa Claus being, you know, blown to bits, it's all good. <laughs> oh, man. So now this third one, this has to be, you know, the craziest story out of them all just because it's Bob Haney. This is just anytime you have a Haney story here, it's, you know it's going to be wild. The Teen Titans Swinging Christmas Carol, this one is called. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cardi art, though, so that's awesome, too. And uh, colors by uh, Helen Vesic, I guess you would say her name is. But, yeah, it's a, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Teen Titans and a, uh, you know, Charles Dickens a Christmas Carol. So, you know, I thought it was it was crazy, but it's fun. But how about that first splash page there, man, where it's, you know, got the ebenezer there and the ghosts <laughs> you can see her <laughs> one of them at least you can see is one of the titans that looks like a wonder girl there that's pretty cool well that is cool because you have you have three of the teen titans in you know, dressed up in the, the usual dc purple robes if a destiny or time trap or someone where she's in a mini skirt version with lovely lovely white furs if she's ready for <laughs> the jail christmas special or something uh, it's just excellent i mean it's 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 cheesy it's cheesecake and it's perfect yeah, and they, they changed some of the names around a little bit. Why they did that, I don't know. Maybe they thought the, the Dickens estate was going to sue them or something. I don't know, but it's funny. You know, you get a, a guy, uh, Ebenezer Scrounge, instead of Scrooge, and he owns a junkyard called Junko-Rama. And, you know, of course, he's being uh, beaten up uh, on his employee here. Um, and, you know, being a cheapo and doesn't want to turn on the heat and this and that. And then we see, you know, some uh, crooks bring him or come to pick up a pile of junk because, you know, they've got some kind of insane device. I don't know where they, I don't even think they ever say where they got this device from throughout the entire story, but it basically can, you know, you know, you can, it's almost like a big ray gun. They call it a gizmo and it, you, you turn it on and zap a bunch of junk and it turns it into like brand new cars and what a motorcycle and all this stuff. So they're basically buying junk and then turn it into something they can turn a, a quick profit on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the old super villain. Question the flash villain question. You know, you've got the super scientist villain, they're using Ebenezer Scrounge's junkyard to avoid paying tax on vehicles to put them together from junk that brought them from abroad. When they could just make millions by patenting the process, it makes <laughs> no it's huge fun, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So, you know, this uh, the employee, you know, his son ends up uh, finding out what this guy is up to. So then he calls the Teen Titans for help and they get involved in the shenanigans. And at first, they're just trying to break up the racket. And then uh, they go to Ebenezer Scrounge's house and he's being harassed by uh, his former partner, 
who actually went to jail, Jacob Farley, <laughs> who went to jail uh, in the, uh, I guess, you know, the, the cops were onto their trail about something wrong they were doing. And yeah, that guy took the fall for both of them. So he's back for revenge. And, you know, the Teen Titans then realized like, hey, you know, we can't get this guy, you know, through normal means. So we're going to, you know, shame him and <laughs> try to get him to understand how much of a jerk he's being and, and yeah. turn around and be a nice guy. <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just wonderful, and it, I just like some things. You know, on page, on page, on page nine, there's a close-up of the convict Jacob Farley, and it looks a little off as regards the start of the rest of the issues about Nick Carly's art, but it's just brilliant. And surely that's Carly doing a portrait of someone from real life. I mean, Bob Ratchet later again, he, he just, he just looks just as real. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether Carly's putting his pals in. Yeah, well, the page before that, page eight, where it's only like half a page of artwork, and then there's an ad there. When that guy, you know, comes in the door and says, prepare to meet justice, he looks mean. He looks like, yeah, yeah. oh, man, he looks like he's really going to put a hurting on him there. But, yeah, then uh, uh, Scrounge is going to call the cops, you know, because he's like, you're trespassing here because, you know, technically they don't have any evidence yet that he did anything wrong. So that's when they, like I said, they realize they're like, hey, let's uh, let's make a new plan here. Let's. uh." Let's turn him around by appearing as the ghosts of Christmas, you know, past, present, and future. So that's kind of funny. So they all dress in those purple robes like we saw on that very first page there and uh, start to try to convince him that it's, uh, you know, he needs to change before it's too late. <laughs> Good stuff, though. It really is. It, it is all going back to what you were saying about the, the fact the names are so close to the Charles Dickens names. Is it, the, the, Titan, the Titans actually notice that, acknowledge it. And then, you know, you don't think about it, you know what might be going on anything it's just it's just oh yeah they've all it's it's like we're in the story so let's lean into that a little bit but again you, you don't you probably don't think too much about don't think too hard about these early teen titan stories like something wild was going on a local kid would call the titans to help they'd help they'd say bonkers things with that excruciating bob haney dialogue <laughs> and bob haney must have known that he was like nowhere near the way kids talked but you're just, you're just having fun, and that's that's all I want. Yeah, absolutely. These are definitely stories where they're not super deep, but they're just a lot of fun. But yeah, the Titans, you know, end up getting you know in a little bit of a pinch here because then some of these uh, crooks show up, and uh, you know that are in uh, cahoots with uh, Scrounge because it looks like they just kind of have uh, Ebenezer ready to you know turn over a new leaf, and then these guys show up and start shooting at them and. You know, fighting with them and stuff like that, and then through all these other mishaps, you know, they the, the crooks kind of start getting the edge here. But then, uh, good old Ebenezer has his change of heart and ends up uh, helping the Titans in the end. There, I really like it. It was pretty neat. It, it really, really is good. And it's, it's such a little treat. Like on page twenty-two, the villains are laid out in the formation of a Christmas tree. Well, to my eyes, <laughs> yeah, it does. I it think does that's deliberate. Like... Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like the big pile of junk with them on top, like a tree. <laughs> yeah, what was that about? You got Bob, Bob, Bob Haney describing December twenty fourth as the day before Christmas, and then later when the sun's gone down, he says it's Christmas Eve. I mean, I think surely the rest of us just call the whole day Christmas Eve, but I suppose he was just being a bit of a stickler there. <laughs> evening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, wow. I... You know, that last, the next to the last page there, it shows, you know, like I said, Ebenezer kind of turning, turning over a new leaf. And then uh, he, uh, he used the, I'll use the secret junk transformer to make your uh, old wheelchair into a nice new electric model for uh, 
Tiny Tom instead of Tiny yeah. Tim. <laughs> so that's cool, though. I like that. And then, you know, there's a, a last panel there, last page half panel there where, you know, they're talking about, you know, all the Christmassy stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff you like to see in a Christmas issue for sure. The holiday uh, cheer stuff. <laughs> can you give me that last panel of dialogue from Tiny Tom, please? Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, check Titans. Best wishes to all for a swinging and groovy new year and bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrific. I mean, that, I mean, it's such a good story. It must be reprinted at least three or four times, if not more, over the years. Mm -hmm. And the cover of that one, obviously, that's not in the issue, but it's, it's such a classic. Look it up, anyone, if you've never seen that one, look up the cover of this issue. Yeah, and it's that's vintage, vintage uh, Bob Haney right there. I have some singles and then a trade of the you know that silver age early bronze age titans running it's crazy it's a lot of crazy stories and the dialogue is just oh it's a trip it's just hipsville yep <laughs> for sure so all right then let's go on to the next one so this next one's pretty good too uh starlight star bright can, can i just throw you in between oh. have you got the caps hobby hints there oh yeah yeah there's a little caps hobby hints here and uh it's funny too when i was like huh i wonder who did this and I looked at the last panel, and it says yeah. Ty, Ty Templetoff, and I thought, oh, I guess that's Ty Templeton. But, yeah, that's pretty cool, too. I like that. <laughs> it is, because originally they were by uh, Henry Boltonoff, who I think was Murray Boltonoff's brother. Yeah. When you look at panel one, have you seen who gave it to, who the two comes from? And it says, thanks to Lee Travis of Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> mm. Yeah, is that the Avenger? Yeah. So just very little half page filler which obviously is probably the only, the only new thing in the issue apart from the cover which we'll probably get to later anyway yeah. i apologize for the interruption no 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 it's all good i totally forgot about that <laughs> so yeah okay so then the next story yeah is the legion of superheroes starlight star bright farthest star i see tonight and this is a uh, paul levitt's writer uh jose luis garcia lopez and dick giordano artists uh, ben Oda, letterer, and Jerry Serpy, colorist. So, yeah, this is a fun one, too. This one has, uh, you know, I think it's another uh, uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day kind of story where you have uh, Superboy heading back to the Legion headquarters, and he sees Monel, and then Phantom Girl faces through the wall and kisses him under the mistletoe. <laughs> I like that quite a bit. That was funny. So did he. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, I hope Ultra Boy never makes you apologize for kissing him, but if he does, you can tell him. That's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, why, why are you saying that, Page? Too. It looks like he's doing everything he can just not to keep his hands off. And the way it's posed by Garcia Lopez. Uh huh. Yeah, that's for sure. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not kidding there. Wow. Um. Oh, so then they go into the next room there, and there's Saturn Girl, and you know they start having the hey, how's it going, and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, your futuristic kind of Christmas here is is fun, but it's not like a a Christmas from when I was, you know, at home and a boy, you know, so he thinks to himself like, you know, oh, hey, we could, uh, what can we do to, you know, have more of a, a traditional Christmas or uh, maybe just not a futuristic Christmas. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. I just got an idea to make all the technology pay off. Have you guys ever gone looking for that star that blazed over Bethlehem that Christmas? And <laughs> we see a Saturn girl and she says, no, but I think we're about to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, honestly, if you if you were Superboy and you'd come via time travel to the 30th century, surely you would say, have you never never thought to go back and have a look at the stable in, to look for the birth of Christ, you know, to see what happened? And yeah. obviously, I think he just didn't feel he could go there. 
I would have done that. I would have tried. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, so this is a good one. So then, you know, they all kind of uh, climb aboard there. We have uh, Superboy and Phantom Girl, Saturn Girl. Uh, who else do we got there in the picture? I guess that's uh, Wildfire, I guess. And then um, Lightning Lad, is it? They all kind of yep. pile into the ship and head out to these coordinates where they think they're going to find this star. And there's no star there, but there's a planet. And on the planet, there's, you know, like three different uh, species on this planet. And they're all having trouble, you know, just existing and just, you know, finding food and shelter and things like that. So, you know, the team kind of works together to uh, help that situation get a little bit better and, you know, help these uh, help them kind of come together to, you know, help each other out and in the process, you know, make things a lot better for them. So I really like that. Paul Levitz did a really good job here with this story. I really enjoyed it. I think you did. I mean, it's, it's a real, as you say, a heartwarming tale of people pulling together, you know, no huge cosmic and cosmic threatening threat, you know, just people just having a bit of a lark at Christmas time, hanging out, having fun. And I mean, from that, from the splash page onwards, with Superboy coming through the time barrier, it's just glorious. I mean, I've, I've never, I've never seen the, the it's obviously got the traditional DC time barrier swirls there, but I've never seen it previously where you see an image of where Superboy is coming from. You see Smallville and the snow. Yeah, that's that's just wonderful. And another bit of this, the the uh, the Lopez art, Garcia Lopez art, I like is what what page is what page is that? The ah yes, page uh, seven. On page seven, there, the top of page seven. Mm. When you, when you have the dance, the dancing aliens in shadow. Did you ever ever read uh, the Gar the Gar the Garcia Lopez Jerry Conway Atari Force comic? I have not. No. Ah, uh, there was a character in that called Packrat, and mm. not later when you see the, these characters in daylight. But at this point, they look exactly like Packrat from that from that later. Oh, so okay. A couple of years later. I don't know whether anyone anyone will comment whether they agree with me or not, but I, I just really really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, that is a good panel because, like you said, there's like a fire in the background, and in the forefront you see these, you know, uh, aliens, and they're kind of dancing around and this and that, and some of them have a shadow and from the light from the fire coming on them, and then you can see in the background there you can see uh, real tiny versions of uh, uh, Phantom Girl and Lightning Lad there too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It really is. Was this? You know, we had the we had the Legion mission, Legion mission monitor board and Saturn Girl on that on on that big extended chair, which incidentally actually looks like a chair that Garcia Lopez has Superman sitting on in a piece of his DC licensing art. It's very much like that. But anyway, mm. she's looking at where everybody is, and as you see Colossal Boy celebrating with his family. I think I think is this the first time that we've. Been told that Colossal Boy Jim Allen is of the Jewish faith. Yeah, it might be because yeah, I did see that. You can you know they do kind of go over and say about how uh, Chameleon Boy is uh, you know it, there's not a holiday there, so he's on Space Patrol. <laughs> it's kind of sad there. I'm like, geez, maybe you could uh, bring him back here and show him about some traditions. <laughs> yeah. and then and then like you said, yeah, there's Colossal Boy and uh, celebrating Hanukkah there. So yeah, that might be yeah, that's a really good scene there too. I really like that panel. That's very nice. It is fantastic. It's so funny though. He's he's sitting there. He's sitting there with his families, and, and they're all normal. And of course, it's like with with, with stressing parents, like and that's cool. You've always got to show them using their powers. So if he's a giant, he's got to be sitting in the family home, a giant size, <laughs> where his, you can see his torso and his head over the table. 
goodness knows how he's fit his legs in. I mean, his, his legs going in a hole through the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Now you think about it, where the heck is the rest of the lower half of his body? Because it's not uh, in a chair, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, that's great. But yeah, so yeah, good story here overall, too. I really like this one quite a bit. You know, they, they figure out how to, you know, like I said, help uh, help this planet out, which is really cool. You know, it's a really good Christmas message. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, you have a Superboy looks up in the sky and he sees a, a brightly shining star. And, uh, that's pretty cool, too. And then they head out and then all of a sudden now they have a real Christmas tree back at the. Well, I'm thinking it's probably on the ship there. It looks like it is. I think so. They're in front of a big Star Trek screen, and then then, then you have that absolutely gorgeous picture of a uh, Farrah Fawcett Saturn girl looking towards the, the camera. So mm-hmm. it's from all of us to all of you. It's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good scene there. I like the tree and Superboy there putting the star on top of the tree and everything. That's really cool. That's a really good panel too on that one. Definitely gotta gotta shout them out for that one. So, okay. So that was, uh, that was that one there. So then we have, uh, was the fright before Christmas. <laughs> and this is an interesting story too. <laughs> I wonder how many times I've used that title, honestly, but it is great. DC comics presents every issue and it's Superman and one of your favorite DC comic characters. And this issue, Superman and Santa Claus, which I think is fair enough because Santa <laughs> had, it had the odd, he had the odd comic story over the years with DC. Mm-hmm. Like previously but yeah but this, this one starts on the streets of metropolis with superman coming across one of those uh again santas that i don't know whether they exist but in films they always exist hanging around outside department stores ringing bells with some with some kind of iron bucket collecting collecting cash for presumably charity and you have santa claus standing there with a little kitty pointing up what looks like a pop gun at santa and the kids going okay whiskers stick him up just <laughs> the money or i'll plug you Santa, Santa's going, take a hike, kid, you bother me. <laughs> the first Batman story, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, then the kid points to go at, at Santa, just as Superman's coming into, into, into shot. And Superman points out this, this gun actually isn't harmless. It's, it's some kind of strange gun with a secret mechanism. And they work out, you know, something's going on. The kid's been hypnotised. And uh, the kid who, of course, of course, is called Timmy Dickens. Because it's <laughs> uh, Superman takes him towards his Arctic Fortress of Solitude and does an examination there. And the kitty, the kitty Timmy tells him about how he'd, he'd found this in the hall closet with his other presents. He'd been looking for his presents too early, cheeky little boy, that we'd all done it. And uh, they're going to explore it and hypnotise him, it seems. And then, then the youngster gives out, gives out this strange message about you know, just just threatening about how I wanted to uh, get all the money from a toy store, and Superman's carrying Timmy, Timmy back towards Metropolis in his cave, the way we all used to in those days. And then this this ray comes out with the gun, the pop gun, dazzles Superman. He feels he feels like lead, falls to the ground, he's knocked out, and Timmy's going, Superman, please, you got to get up. We'll freeze out here. We'll die. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to save us. And then. In the wonderful, wonderful Kurt Swan Murphy Anderson panel, you see these shadows coming into shot at the bottom of the frame, and three three shadows with sort of point, they've got pointy hats or beaks, and then a couple of panels later, you see that they're little elves, little gnome toy shop workers, and 
they obviously Santa's elves, and they pick they pick up Santa. So they could pick up Santa. No, they don't. They pick up Superman, the man in blue, not the man in red. And one of the elves are going, "Boy, he weighs a ton." <laughs> the other one goes, "How come you're at the head? You always get to carry the head." And the third guy's going, "Don't these guys ever go on a diet?" Timmy <laughs> says, "Hey, who are you guys? You don't know. This is the North Pole, Sonny. We'll give you three guesses." Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it cuts it cuts away that we find out a little bit more about the toy man's plan, which I won't really go into because it's not as interesting as the fact that Superman wakes up surrounded by elves again in a, in a, in a wonderful panel that shows you Superman's point of view with with you know lights turning into fuzzy figures turning into the elves, Santa's elves, and Superman's going, "Where am I? Who are you guys? But where is here?" And then you've got this lovely panel full, full mm. Santa Claus without his jacket pulling his straps looking like Chris Christopherson or someone. Dear <laughs> friend, Superman is my top secret workshop at the very heart of the North Pole. And Superman's going, you couldn't possibly be. And you go, my name is Kringle, but most people call me Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and, and, and from then on, it's, it's just a wonderful team up between Superman, Santa Claus, helped by the elves and the reindeer. Is the, is the foil the toy man the toy man's crime? Uh, you have you know, have seen the Superman and Santa versus you know, life size great big toy man robots tanks probably fairies in there and I think I think mm-hmm. he probably helps out but just pages and pages of Superman versus toy man joyousness but in in the end sort of Santa helps Santa helps by sort of throwing little pea, little marbles under Winslow P. Shot the toy man, <laughs> makes him over, and he loses control. And basically, the basically the day is saved. You know, Winslow's totally on the no, on the naughty list, taken off to prison, and Superman takes Timmy Dickens back home, and gets says goodbye to Santa Claus. And when Superman gets home, he finds in the middle in inside his cape pouch. It's an object, it's a toy that he hasn't seen since childhood. He goes, Great Krypton, it's it's the old hollow toy my father made for me, the one I thought destroyed, but that's impossible, isn't it? And the hollow toy projects a hologram of Santa Man holding up a banner. We're going, Merry Christmas, Superman. Mm. And as we say, this is just my utter favorite of the issue. What do mm. you think? Yeah, this is the best story in the issues, you know, by far. And they're all pretty good, but this one's really good. And that last panel, that's my favorite panel of the entire uh, yeah. story. Oh, I love it. And then my favorite part of the story, too, is where <laughs> so Toy Man starts to get the edge on Superman a little bit because he's got these toys that are attacking Superman. So then Santa Claus sends in an army of his toys to fight the Toy Man's toys. Yeah. It's quite hilarious. It's obviously, you know, it's crazy, ludicrous, but it was just funny that, you know, like you said, Santa, Santa was like, I'll help. It's just brilliant. I mean, Len, Len Wayne's script, it's in funny, sharp, inventive, mm-hmm. sentimental, perfect, and he doesn't kill a single Santa this time. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Oh yeah, like I said, so many good panels. Oh, so many good pages oh, and panels. It really is, and you, you couldn't have a more a more perfect villain. Villain versus you know, if you, if you have Santa Claus in the story, the terrible toy man, you know, the antithesis of the kindly old man from the North Pole. Just wonderful stuff. Before Toy Man became a murderer, superb. 
Yeah, yeah, like you said, that's the perfect villain to have in a story where you're talking about Christmas time. And yeah, he had this crazy plot where he, you know, has some toys all over the place. You know, all these kids are have these unsuspectingly have these toys that have these mechanisms in them that are going to, you know, hypnotize other kids and make them do his evil deeds and stuff like that. But then it shows, you know, Superman flying around to, uh, you know, exchange all those toys for Santa's toys, like the ones that aren't, you know, going to you know, cause trouble. And I love that, too. That's a really good part of the story. It is, at least, you know, in, the, in this issue, Len remembers that Superman has super speed. In fact, Len never forgets, but Len actually gets that part. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you see Superman flying around at super speed and creeping around at people's houses to put new toys in there. And that's really cool. I really like that. That was a fun part of the story, too. But, yeah, that, that last page, though, that last panel, I love that. You know, because you could see a little bit of Superman, you know, when he was talking about having that toy when he was a boy, you know, and still on Krypton. And, you know, it made him sad to think about it, that it got blown up, you know, when Krypton blew up. And then to see it again at the end here, oh, that's a good one. I really like that. It really is marvelous. I mean, you look... <laughs> You look at the stories in these issues, and it just it just saddens me so much that it's it's almost as if writers these days have, have never learned the craft of just being never mind an eight page story, never being able to as if they haven't learned the craft of being able to tell a good, satisfying, well plotted story in twenty two pages or something. I mean, that's twenty two pages, isn't it? That's quite a lot of real estate. You can tell a story there, but nowadays it's like you have your five minute reads. It's terrible, and this is just brilliant stuff. Yeah, this is very entertaining. Like we said, you can look at some of these stories in this book or any other one from, you know, Silver Bronze Age, whatever. And, oh, there's a couple of little plot holes or things that really wouldn't work out in the end. But ultimately, you're when you get done reading that book, you had a lot of fun. You really have a lot of fun. Absolutely did. Really, really good. Mm, now, this last one, I actually have seen this one before. I'm not sure where I saw this before. It must have been reprinted somewhere else. I have a couple of Batman treasuries. Maybe it's in there. I'm not sure, but this last one, The Silent Night of the uh, Batman. I've seen this. I think I think it's also I think it was in one of those uh, big treasury editions as well. And again, it's, it's been it's been reprinted a few times. Yeah, and this one is just you know it's not a you know it's a pretty simple plot. It's just you know Batman you know swinging around thinking there's going to be some crime, and he sees the bat signal on Christmas Eve, and it's Commissioner Gordon, and Commissioner Gordon's like, ah, there's not going to be any crime tonight. We're going to take the night off, and Batman's like, ah. Uh, crimes and disasters aren't inclined to observe holidays and he's like tonight's going to be different i know it so then they're singing christmas carols and everything and you see some you know some uh you know crimes going on but then the people kind of like making it right um you know like stealing and then giving it back and then a, a guy with a gun that he's going to try to like maybe rob someone or whatever and you know he sees uh, <laughs> a crazy batman there i've seen that panel before too where it shows batman and he has glasses on and a beard it says support Wayne Foundation Christmas Drive for the Blind. <laughs> wow. Mm, yeah. So, oh, and then we see a woman that I guess her husband is uh, at war, but he surprises her. You know, he's in the he's a soldier, but he surprises her and comes home for the holidays. And uh, yeah, that's really cool too. Yeah. What a what a great. Uh, I mean, obviously the artwork is the big driver on this one. You know, Neil Adams and Dick Giordano. Wow. It, it really is. I mean, it's just it's just stunning artwork. I mean. I'm pretty much with Batman. The idea that, okay, crime may be taking a night off. Perhaps <laughs> Gordon was visited by Santa Claus and told this. But the idea that, you know, that, that still that the citizens of Gotham don't deserve a patrol from the police and from Batman, it's a bit strange. But it's, again, you don't think about it too much. You just enjoy it because it's something very, very different. Mm -hmm. you know, that, 
I'm not normally a big fan of silent stories. It's not it's not totally silent. You've got a page or so of, of dialogue, but it really it really is art artist driven. This one. I mean, Neil Neil Adams really brings the emotions. I mean, this this thing with the where you've got the wife looking at the letter from a the letter about a, a husband a husband. In my memory, you know, it, it didn't seem to be borne out by what is actually on the page here. In my memory, she had she'd been told that her husband had mistakenly she'd been told that her husband had died in battle. Mm. By what's on the page here at all, but for some reason she's very sad about us being away and was thinking of killing herself. It's, yeah, sees the shadow of the bat on on the water. Uh, I suppose I suppose the story's telling us all the way through. It's just the very the very idea that Batman's around is stopping crime. Like when you had that little kitty running off with the woman's the woman's package and it turned out to have a Batman doll, and he yeah. sees the Batman. Which I think has been miscolored, so it looks like it's shirtless. So he sees the Batman doll. That makes it, yeah, I don't know whether in your edition whether he's, whether it's the same, but he looks like the Batman doll's shirtless. And you think a shirtless Batman doll has changed his mind, but I think it's just the fact it's a Batman doll. The shadow of the bat as the old comic had it, and he gives it back to the woman. But uh, in fact, there's one there's one panel actually before he gives it back to the woman at the top of the top of page four, where it looks like the boys pulling a little black plaster off his hand. I, I'm sure that's not what's happening. I don't know what's happening there. But but um, mm. yeah, but I, I think it is just the you know the idea of the Batman like being around like you know like you've got that Santa, that that collector, the charity collector dressed up as a Batman and that puts off the gunman. So yeah. it looks like Batman's making a real difference whether he's physically on the streets or not. Yeah, I mean at the end there Gordon says um We've been waiting here all night and not a single call has come in for you. It appears the investment you've put into this city has paid off tonight, giving you a night off. So like you were saying, you know, the, the people that are seeing Batman or a bat effigy or whatever, it's kind of, you know, making them like uh, at least take a night off, if not turn over a new leaf here. So that's really cool. I do like that. And you see the Christmas tree in the background there at the police station. So yeah, I like that. And, and I love the way now is it's, it's the less we're accredited here from. No, it's probably Ben Odo or Gaspar Saladino or someone. In fact, maybe maybe it says at the end. But I love I love the way the Silent Night of the Batman is lettered in that mm. sort of type gothic lettering. But it, but in fact, actually, I forgot to mention on on the uh, the Teen Titans swinging Christmas Carol. The way I love the way that either Cardi set it up that way or the letter has done it. The way that a lot of the captions are in you know scroll type shapes. That oh. little bit of effort that lends a little bit more Christmas sensibility to the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you there. But yeah, that Silent Night of the Batman there, the lettering there, like you said, I'm not sure if that was, uh, you know, the letterer here or who that was. Because in the issue here, it actually doesn't give a letter credit for that. No, one. It's back in about 1969, whenever, whenever it was, sadly. Yeah, yeah. But that was a good one. Mike Friedrich wrote it. But yeah, that was very, very artist driven. So because there's a lot of pages and panels that don't even have any dialogue other than just the, the singing of the Christmas carols there. Yeah, it was it was just great. Then I love I love that final that final page with the best a, sto a story about uh, is, it, is it Mark Wade? The yeah, editor Mark Wade's saddest Christmas or something. <laughs> and then oh we, yeah, it's the editorial people wishing everyone a happy Christmas with their signatures. Very nice stuff. Mm, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, there's a lot of names I recognize there, and there's a lot of names I do not recognize there. So I'm assuming those are either people behind the scenes or just people that weren't as prominent and people that i'll just discover when i get to reading more dc stuff here for sure <laughs> i think so yeah so what, what did you make of the cover oh so yeah you're the cover wow it's a wraparound cover 
and the front i mean they could be two separate images when you look at them separately as well but yeah it's yeah. uh J john Byrne. wow what a great job here you have you know uh black canary and uh green arrow superman batman robin wonder girl and wildfire there all around a christmas tree with presents and then the back cover you know it says uh Join Adams, Anderson, Bridwell, Cardi, Dylan, Friedrich, Garcia, Lopez, Giordano, Haney, Levitz, Miller, Mitchell, O'Neill, Swan, and Ween in a celebration of holiday cheer. And it, you know, has a, a fireplace there with all the uh, superhero stockings and shoes, you know, hanging from it. Oh, it looks great. Wow. It's unbelievable cover. It really is fantastic. I just love the, love the, the composition of everyone at the Christmas tree. It's, you know, Green Arrow pretending he doesn't recognise a wrapped up ball. <laughs> and again, similar Robin, you know, apparently puzzling over a batarang and then Superman genuinely stymied by the lead box, which of course he can't see through with his X-ray vision. And that Christmas tree <laughs> detail, it, it's, wonder, it's wonderful. And did, did you notice uh, who, who actually came up with the composition on the back? Um, oh, oh! It says John Byrne, and then it says after Mike, uh... Mike Carlin, the editor, the old DC editor. Oh yeah, Mike Carlin. Yeah, yeah. I was having a hard time reading that there, Mike Carlin. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Wow, that's cool. It really is. It's just you know such a fun idea. I love that. I love these pictures of superheroes celebrating the holidays. Wonderful stuff. I want more. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I love it, too, because I'm thinking to myself, there's a uh, mistletoe hanging around the front and the back cover. So on the front cover, there's the mistletoe hanging there. So I'm thinking to myself, OK, I guess Ollie and Canary, they're under the mistletoe. They're going to kiss. And so is, I guess, Batman and Superman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the boy Wonder and Wonder Girl and their wildfire is just he's out of luck. <laughs> Well, he's got no body, has he? I think he literally got no body. So he can pine over Dawnstar. It happened eventually. He was okay. He'll be okay. It just made me sad. I love this. You've just made me sad, Billy. Mm, yeah, he's decorating the tree there. He's putting some Christmas silver Christmas balls on the Christmas tree. That's what he's doing, I guess. But yeah, wow, that is a really good cover. I mean, and you can look at the faces, and that's those are John Byrne faces all the way right there. Even if it didn't have a name attached to it, you could see. I'm I'm not even the best at picking out artwork, but you see those faces, and they scream John Byrne. I'm a little I'm a little worried at how close Robin's cape is to the fire, but ooh, hopefully he'll be okay. Mm, yeah for sure but yeah wow amazing wraparound cover and like i said even it's you can look at them as separate images and they just still look incredible i love that back cover image you know with the the names and the fireplace it's just oh yeah john Byrne. well he was one of the best so i guess he still is he still works a little i think not much but maybe some uh, commissions yeah, yeah. and things yeah, yeah, he was just at, at his peak. And actually, I've only just noticed, actually, because obviously we have everyone's superhero boost hanging over the fireplace. But I, it's weird because, you know, obviously I've, I've looked at this cover dozens of times over the decades. And I've only just now noticed that, yes, indeed, Robin doesn't have his, his booty on. Mm, yeah, that's funny. One of them's on, but the other one's missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's busy. Can you imagine the smell of the burning rubber there over the oh. fireplace? Gosh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what those boots are made out of, but they're looking for a fire right there. Although I guess Superman could just put it out, you know, in a snap of a finger, so they're not worried. <laughs> mm, but yeah, like you said, these holiday books, man, they don't, they just don't make them like this anymore. You know, these were, this was really good, a great collection, and then oh, the burn cover is just the icing on the cake. 
it really is. Because I mean, nowadays, obviously, they still do them. They do those all new eighty-page giants, but they'll do them with a theme like you know, like a Holocaust holidays or whatever it was called, or you know, jeez, you know, or you know, like murderous Christmas. And it's like they've all got the same theme, but there's always a, a big bit of darkness. And then you get individually great stories. Like there was a, a very good Supergirl story a couple of years ago with one of one of the future holo- apocalyptic ones. It's like. But, <laughs> I just just give me a, ran, a random collection of heroes, you know, celebrating the festival of light or Diwali or whatever, whatever comes near Christmas, you know, for anybody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was a great one. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about this one. This was awesome. I, this was one that I was wanting to talk about for a while with somebody, and I reached out to you. I thought, oh, I wonder if he likes this one or not. And you said right away, like, oh, especially, yeah, you love it, especially that DC Comics Presents story, which, like we said, that's probably the best one of the bunch, even though they're all really good. Uh, it really is, but I'd, I'd love to hear if anyone listening out there, you know, what, what their favorites of the issue were or any other favorite Christmas stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, anybody will try to put it out there once uh, the episode drops on Twitter. Maybe we can get some responses from some people and see what their favorite story is in this issue or any Christmas story in general. You know, I'd love to hear that stuff. Oh, really, really. Definitely, definitely. Well, I want to thank you for joining me, Mart, here. So, uh, if people want to find you online, of course they can find you on Twitter, correct? They can, they can indeed. Yes, and actually, have I, I, if you want to look back to one of my old posts, I do have a, po- a post entitled "Festive Favorites," "Festive Favorites," "Cracking Christmas Comics," mm-hmm. and that's a few other Christmas stories that I really liked over the years. But inevitably, DC Comics Presents is in there. So, yeah. So, but yes, yeah, thank, thank you so much, Billy, for letting me be on this particular show it's just so lovely and just happy holidays to you and to one and all yeah merry christmas martin everybody listening too so yeah definitely get out there and grab this issue it's it's i'm pretty sure it can still be had for you know a fairly you know affordable price too so if you don't have this one you need to get out there and get it so yeah everybody look for martin you know on twitter uh at mark gray right yes say hello and then uh definitely check out his blog as well right mark that would be lovely. Yeah, all comments welcome. But if if you have time to have a, even have a little read, that'd be nice. But whatever you do, be stay safe, stay happy. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, everybody, I'm going to let Mark go here in a second, but I'll be back to wrap things up. Stay tuned. Water Podcast Network is a collection of super friends plus shag. So what could be more appropriate than a podcast about the super friends? It's for all mankind, a super friends podcast, a read-through show about the classic DC comic book series covering all 47 issues of the original run plus a few surprises. Hosted by me, Rob Kelly, and a rotating group of my super friends. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It all looks good to me. Okay, everybody, that wraps up the latest episode here of the show. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who uh, likes, retweets, listens in, and, of course, thanks to uh, my buddy Mart for coming on here. He and I love these uh, holiday specials, so hopefully I can get him on maybe every year at Christmas time. That will be a great tradition to start there. He's a great guy. and Definitely check out his blog and then follow him on Twitter, too. Good guy, loves to talk comics and have a good time. So, uh, as I said previously, there's going to be one more episode this year, you know, a show with me and my buddy uh, Herm. We're going to talk some uh, universal horror, our top five favorite of all time, and that's going to uh, hopefully uh, uh, drop on New Year's Eve. So look forward to that. Take care, everybody. <laughs>